Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This is The Roy Green Show podcast. There's a hospital on, uh, on Long Island, I think it is, certainly in New York, where they have instructed their cardiac patients in rehab programs to not talk about the election because they're concerned it could cause heart attacks. So there's a tremendous amount of emotional investment. And I heard from a Canadian expat who's living in Kansas. He's a dual Canada U.S. citizen with a history in politics. And he has followed and updated U.S. election polling information on an almost daily basis in emails some of us in Canadian media have been receiving since the primaries. And I received um, an email from R. Curtis Mullen yesterday in which he looks ahead to Tuesday and asks some very specific questions and makes some very interesting uh, conclusions, comes to some very interesting conclusions. R. Curtis Mullen joins me, freelance political consultant and former advisor to Canadian premiers, joins us on the Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Curtis, we have a brand new system that we're starting today. We have a new phone number for our callers as well. It's 1-800-263-2428. That's the only phone number we'll be using from here on, 1-800-263-2428. Curtis, uh, give us a bit of, uh, of, of your background in the United States. You've been an advisor to Canadian premiers, but your fascination with the U.S. system and the U.S. election, you've kept very close track of what's been going on and where we stand today, and you've come to some very interesting conclusions. Just give us a, a bit of a walkthrough of, of, of your fascination with what's going on in the U.S. Well, it's a, as, as you mentioned, my, my previous uh, political background in, in Canada, but once you uh, get to the U.S., it's hard not to get inundated with, uh, with the political culture down here because with elections every two years, people are constantly running or seeking office either at the state, county, or at the national level. So it, it's in... Uh, it is always ongoing, and it's it's very easy to uh, get involved, either uh, writing about it or or participating in it uh, from a volunteer. How does it compare to what you experienced in Canada? You were an advisor to two Canadian premiers. How does it compare? It's much more intense here because money's no limit. In Canada, you have severe restrictions on either contribution limits or on spending limits. Here, the only limit that and, and that inhibits a candidate is their time, because that's the only resource that's finite, because money and volunteer, you can pay people to assist you in your campaign. You can raise money in-state across across the U.S. to run your uh, re-election campaign for a U.S. senator, uh, congressman, or whatever. So the only resource that's limited is time, whereas in Canada, it's not only in addition to time, it's also money, and with money, you can, you're unable to pay, pay your staff. Okay. So it's, it's totally different. On Tuesday during the day, what do we look for as far as trending is concerned? There are uh, a few trends to look for. Can the, how enthusiastic is the Obama coalition of millennials, uh, Latinos, and African Americans? What is their enthusiasm to go pull the lever for uh, Secretary uh, Clinton? If that number is lower substantially than it was for President Obama four years ago, that increases the probability for uh, Donald Trump to become the 45th president. And also, is how is the white vote turning out? Is it at nine, uh, 59% that, as it was for uh, Mitt Romney four years ago? If it's, if it's over 60-61, increases his chance. But if it's 
57, 55, then that increases the probability for Secretary Clinton to become the next. This is not something we're going to find out during the day, though. This is what we'll know during the night. Or no, maybe the well, next no day. you'll find out that out by exit polls. The first exit poll that uh, will come out when the first uh, states are uh, close their polls, that's Indiana and Kentucky, and I believe those close at 7 Eastern. Yeah. Well, I've heard that they have uh, an agreement among the networks that they're not going to report on exit polling until after 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, or maybe it's 7 o'clock. Anyway, Americans want neither Clinton nor Trump. How true is that? Uh, very true, because... Forty percent of the people are going to vote again are voting against her, and approximately forty five forty six percent are voting against him. So this is a very angry electorate one way or the other, and the honeymoon period for the new president will be all of one day if that. So today we heard that um, Mrs. Clinton appears to have again widened the gap between herself and Donald Trump. How accurate do you believe polling, and you've been watching the polling on a daily basis and emailing to many of us in the media on a daily basis what you've seen, how accurate do you suspect the, the polling is going to be on this election by the time we get to Tuesday night? And that, that's, that's a key question, because if you look, they'll, they'll, they will trumpet uh, a lead for Secretary Clinton, whether it be three points, five points, whatever that number is, we need to go look at the internals. How many more Democrats or Republicans were, were sampled as part of that poll? There was uh, one that was released on, on Friday or on Thursday by uh, Reuters Ipsos. It had 8% more Democrats in the poll than Republicans. Okay, that gets a little technical. I guess what I'm asking is, will we, by the time the election is over, will we have a sense that the polling was right or that it was wrong? You know, Brexit, they said for sure that the Brexit vote was going to go the other way uh, and then it, uh, then it vote, the vote was, as you know, for the U.K. to leave the E.U. So what are we going to say by the end of the election? The polling was wrong or right? I, I, I believe that a lot of people are, are, I think there is some a hidden Trump support out there because people just don't want to put up with the, uh, the veracity of people that are, are voting for Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. So they just go along to get along, mm-hmm. and I think there is, there is a certain percentage of that that will be there, and, and due to his, the enthusiasm that he has for wherever he goes, that could, that could make a difference, and, and you add a half a percent to a percent in the right state, that can flip the state. Okay, I have one more question for you, and that is, um, who's going to win? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you, who do you, who do you, on, based on what, on what you know and what you've researched and all the polls you've seen, all the research you've done, who's going to win? Right now, I would, I would say two, 272 votes for uh, Secretary Clinton, 268 or 267 for, uh, uh, for Donald Trump. So That's in the Electoral College. But I, because of that big blue wall of 18 states that have voted, uh, that have 242 electoral votes that have voted for the Democratic nominee the last six times, it's very going to be very hard for All him right. to crack that wall. Curtis, thank you so much for the time. Thank you very much for your time, Ryan. Good talking to Curtis Mullen. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Who's it going to be, Trump or Clinton? And who do you want to see as President of the United States? Trump or Clinton, Clinton or Trump. And you can build in your thoughts in your answers and your calls. 1-800-263-2428. David is in Lewiston, New York. David. Hi, Roy. How are you doing? Good, sir. How are you doing? Great. How's, Great. Your, how's, your, heart, how's your heart rate? 
<laughs> it's high. I guess. Yeah. So. I'm voting. I'm going to vote for uh, Trump, and I think Trump's going to win. And the reason I think he'll win, Roy, is I don't believe that the Electoral College of people are going to come out and vote for Hillary in the numbers that Barack Obama uh, was able to gather, especially the inner city vote. So in the United States, a certain state, a state has a certain number of representation within the Electoral College. Yeah. And you need 270 votes in the Electoral College to become the president of the United States. And so your feeling is that Hillary Clinton will not reach the 270, but Donald Trump will. And is that because you think people aren't being honest with pollsters about how they're going to vote? I think part of it, but I think they've been oversampling Democrats. And they're oversampling because they believe that the Democratic uh, turnout will be the same as 2012. Now, I don't mean to be negative anyway when I talk to you, because I I think you're in a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. Lewiston's a beautiful little community in New York State. But Western New York is part of the Rust Belt. It is. Right? We are. I mean, when you go along the waterfront in Buffalo, you see the carnage that has been left behind, right? Sure. So there is a sense, I think, would there not be a sense in in your area that Trump is going to um, revive jobs, that Trump will be the guy who will bring back opportunity for us? And so what's said is that in the Rust Belt parts of the United States, it's a given that Trump is going to win the most votes, right? Yeah. But will that translate across the country? That's the question. Well, I guess in places like Michigan... Yeah. In places like Ohio and Pennsylvania. And Michigan and Pennsylvania are supposed to be strongly Democratic. They are, but they may swing. And I think that those will be the two most interesting states. What happens if it turns out to be Hillary Clinton? What's the mood in the United States? What's the mood in western New York Wednesday morning if Clinton wins? The difficulty is that, as you've reported accurately, uh, people don't like either candidate. The one candidate, because he's a, a braggocious uh, billionaire who can say anything and get away with it. The other being a braggocious politician who can do anything and get away with it. So, you know, we're, we're kind of... But what happens, what's, what happens is the United States on Wednesday morning, regardless of who wins, is the United States a calm place where people accept that after this fractious, downright mean campaign at times, that a decision has been made, and so we'll live with the decision, or will the United States on Wednesday morning be a place of some significant social unrest, possibly? I I believe the latter, and and the sad reality is that if Donald Trump wins, the Black Lives Matter movement will be engaged to riot. If uh, Hillary Clinton wins, I think the other side will more be from the uh, elected uh, Republicans that are in Congress. Uh, so, so wait a second. Do, do I hear you saying that that regardless who, who wins, the other side's supporters will become potentially active? Give me a real yeah. quick answer, really quick. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, David. In Lewiston, New York. 
You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. A New York cardiac rehab hospital is worried that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump may wind up killing its patients. Southampton Hospital has barred its cardiac recovery patients from discussing the election while they're at the gym working out. And according to Bloomberg News, the election will end. The mental damage may not. That's the headline of a, an article they ran on Thursday. Um, is post-election violence a real possibility? Regardless of who becomes the president of the United States, that's what we're talking about this weekend is the election. We'll take your calls on who you like for president, whether it's Clinton or Trump, and then who you think is going to win. may not be the same answer. Dr. Frank Farley, psychology professor at Temple University in Philadelphia, past president of the American Psychological Association and president of the Society for the Study of Peace, Conflict, and Violence. Which one of the three is it going to be on Wednesday morning, Frank? Oh, I hope it's number one. I do, too. I hope it's peace. <laughs> what do you think? But I'm, I'm not confident, honestly. Really? Nope. Well, think of what this, this, this election has done. It has stirred the stress muscle in this country incredibly. I mean, it's really stirred the pot big time. It's been an angry campaign. And should we expect that that will suddenly stop on Tuesday midnight? Uh, I, it may not. And um, if you think about it, uh, there's a lot of, you know, the, the primary supporters for Trump have been males. And, uh, you know, we know that males are physically more aggressive than females. And so let's say Trump loses, and I predict that he will. Uh, we'll have a lot of disaffected males on our hands. And, you know, we'd almost forgot about flash mobs. We haven't seen one for quite a while, but by gosh, we had one here in Philadelphia uh, about two weeks ago, and it was a pretty bad scene. We had about 200 people out in a flash mob on the streets, and uh, several people were hurt. So it, that the post-election uh, issues, I think, are going to be serious for a period of time. How stressed are people in the United States right now? I know they're stressed in this country, because if I just tweet a few words that appear to be negative to Trump, particularly, or negative to Clinton, the supporters of Trump and the supporters of Clinton will be all over me immediately. And and that just speaks to me of the kind of emotional uh, involvement that there is. Now, in the U.S., I would imagine that's just amplified tremendously, for example, in your city of Philadelphia. Huge city, um, part of the Rust Belt, right? Part of the um, part of the really historic fabric of the United States. And by the time the, uh, the election is over, people on either side will have lots of opportunity to claim we lost because. Not because of the numbers of votes, not because it was fair, but because... And then they'll fill in the blank whichever way they choose. Absolutely. And going into that, uh, to Tuesday, there have been lots of national surveys of stress. My organization, the American Psychological Association, has come up with some amazing results in which the oldest group, 70-plus, are almost 60% stressed. The youngest group, millennials, roughly 18 to 37 is the criterion we use, 
about mid-50s, 55, 56% stress. The two most stressed groups in this country are the youngest and the oldest. And that's a significant level of anxiety and stress. So something like that just doesn't go away. If you win, you know, that's one thing. But if your person loses, you still have that, that anxiety and concern, and that can be transformed into anger. And um, also other things, you know, like uh, Trumpism, if I may coin a phrase, maybe it's been coined by somebody else, but it certainly reflects very negative behavior, incivility and misogyny, things of that sort. Uh, of course, you've also, got, you've also got, Frank, you have the accusations that the Clintons are liars and cheats and, uh, and that she, and, and we know she's a liar. And so you have the two least like, I, I guess, p- political candidates as the last two standing vying for the highest office in the land. And then you, you take that reality and you mix it with a populist movement that has been growing and growing and growing over the last number of years. And people are getting more and more angry, and it's we come back full circle. You're looking at a, at a pot that's been stirred, and if the flame doesn't go down, there's only one other thing that's going to happen with the, with the stew. Yes, and so will this election resolve much of that? It may I not. Wonder. You know, we're, we're familiar with things like post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. I've coined the term post-election stress trauma, which abbreviates as PEST, P-E-S-T. And this may be a PEST that that lingers for a long time, the kind of trauma that has been created by this election, an extreme, you know, election on both sides, as you point out. And uh, you just don't walk away from that. It's not human nature to simply walk away. So is there... Uh, is there is there a predictable rec- I don't want to use the word recovery but I'll use it because I can't think of anything else is there a predictable sense a uh, return to a sense of even the word normalcy doesn't work because nothing's been normal about this um, do things change and become more relaxed at, at some predictable point or not well I think we can expect yes over time that will happen and cooler heads will hopefully prevail, and uh, it's done. So, you know, suck it up and move on. And there's all sorts of options going forward, of course. There are off-year elections. The U.S. Congress, you right. know, every two years, the House of Representatives uh, members are up for election. That means that there will be elections next year and the next year and the next year. Mm-hmm. So that you can keep that arousal going that you've, you're in right now, and apply it to an ongoing electoral process. And also, uh, I'm hoping that people will realize that the government in the United States has an awful lot of checks and balances, you know, and so there's the Supreme Court, there's the Congress, and there's the administration, the White House. And so there are a lot of checks and balances, and there's a lot of entry points for your view of, of things. So, again, I would call on people to, uh, on this side of the border to get with the what they call down-ballot elections because they're always coming up. <laughs> you know, there will be yeah. more next year. Frank, we don't know what's going to happen, and we fear that it could be bad. I don't, want to, I don't want to be predicting awful things, and I don't want to be 
uh, amplifying the fear factor. But the reality is the reality. And this has gone tribal. This has gone tribal. Yeah. It has, hasn't it? It has. And there are tribes emerging that we hadn't thought much about. Yeah. Frank, I thought. Uh, and, and they are, this is an opportunity, has become an opportunity for them to arise yeah. and express themselves. Well, it spoke so, volumes to me when that hospital, and I thank you, Frank, for the time. It spoke volumes to me when that hospital said to its uh, cardiac patients, do not speak about Trump, do not speak about Clinton. When you're in rehab uh, programs, because you might have a heart attack and die. Indeed. That, How extreme is wow. that? Wow. Frank, thank you for the time, as always. You're welcome. Dr. Frank Farley, past president of the American Psychological Association, psychology professor at Temple University, and president of the Society for the Study of Peace, Conflict, and Violence. Let's go to your calls. And, uh, well, do you want it to be Trump? Do you want it to be Clinton? Who do you think it's going to be? And we'll... I suppose we'll get into the issue of what do you think it's going to be like in the United States come Wednesday morning. Randy's in Scarborough, Ontario. Hi, Randy. Hi, Roy. How are you? Good, sir. How are you doing? Um, well, personally, I would love to see Trump get in power. Only because I would love to see some change. I mean, I do not think the U.S. people are happy with, you know, the government and what have you and i think with uh clinton you're going to get the same old same old so we're going to see the same old same old with clinton but for canada i think clinton would be better a better choice though i think clinton will do better for canada i think trump is all about america and would not care at all about canada i think canadians forget that they think we're americans and I think if Trump gets in power, Canada's in a bit of trouble. Well, he said American, that he would. He, want Trump. he said that NAFTA would be essentially over and done with if he becomes yep. president of the United States. Randy, I appreciate your call in Scarborough, Ontario. One eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. Green Show Chorus Radio Network. Trump or Clinton? Clinton or Trump? And why? And what's your feeling about what may happen in the United States late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning? Anne is in London, Ontario. Hi, Anne. Thank you. Um, I actually do think Trump is quite likely to win because I think, and uh, this isn't directed to you, I think you've done great coverage of this election, but they are very, very angry with the media in the United States. And I don't blame them because there's so many things that have not been reported that they're now seeing online. They're afraid for their country. They're afraid for border security. And they absolutely do not want to be in the same predicament that Europe is in right now. Well, there's tremendous unhappiness with the status quo. And there's tre tremendous unhappiness with mainstream media. And have mainstream media been leaning left and pro-Clinton? Clearly the answer to that question is yes. And they've done it uh, for a long period of time. And so you have people like yourself saying, I think that Trump's going to win. We don't have anything to base it on other than, well, here's what I think the, the situation is, Anne. People have, been, people have the feeling they've been lied to for so long by so many who made promises and instantly broke them that, that now you don't know who to trust, so you trust no one except your, yourself and your own instincts and those around you. And I think that Hillary Clinton actually did Donald Trump a tremendous favor 
when she declared that his supporters, half of them, most of them, were deplorables. What that did was draw people together. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Roy. I really do. But, I mean, for me, my friends are older, a lot of them in the United States. They're lovely people, they're well-educated, and they're good people. And they have followed politics for decades. And they know all about Clinton and her corruption. This is not new to them. So the media, to them, is just a joke right now because, you know, the same media that has covered, ironically enough, the, the corruption with Clinton is now making this woman out to be Mother Teresa, and they know it's simply not true. Yeah. What are your friends in the United States, if you were to ask them, or maybe you have, how will you vote, and what are you saying in public? Well, how would they answer that? Um, some of them are more open than others. Uh, some, I mean, it's not exactly that they love everything about Trump, but they, they, they see him as being the better policy choice. Okay, let me ask you this in about 20 seconds. Are they angry? Uh, I think they're afraid, and some are angry, uh, but more I would say they're terrified of Clinton getting in because I, I agree with them. I think the United States is going to see civil war like Europe if she's elected. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate your call. There's no civil war in Europe, but there's... unrest in Europe and the fear is and I think it's it's a fair question to raise and could there be will there be significant unrest in the United States come Wednesday morning you're listening to the Roy Green Show weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML in the UK the high court I want to talk about this the high court declared parliament must have its say in Brexit so you remember Brexit in June. It was the ultimate uh, exercise in democracy, a referendum where the British people decided by majority that they wanted out of the European Union. And you know what's happened since and the, the fallout that's taken place of, and, and, and on Thursday of this week. Uh, the High Court in the UK, three judges in London, declared that Parliament must have its say. And um, what I've been seeing in, from emails and... Um, calls I've made is there's a general sense from people that we're being worked over again by the system. The Brits are being worked over by the system. It's always rigged against us. Alex Dean joins me. He's a former parliamentary assistant to former Prime Minister David Cameron in the UK, co-founder of the Brexit Express, the national organization in the UK, which supported the Brexit campaign, still does. And Alex joins us from, uh, from Brussels. Alex, good to speak with you again. The Brexit, the Brexit referendum was a valid government-supported vote, correct? Absolutely correct. So where are we today, and, and how, how exercised are the people in, in Britain over the, disord- the decision by the High Court? Yeah, temperatures are running very high in my country, and I think that's unfortunate. Um, I, I think one, one of the likely causes of what just happened with our High Court is that the government argued its case badly. And that can happen from time to time. And courts often, higher courts often reverse the decisions of lower courts. And I think that may well be what happens in our newly constituted Supreme Court. You may remember um, our highest court used to be the House of Lords. We've now got it. It's an independent Supreme Court. Um, But Roy, for me, it doesn't actually matter too much. As long as we get to Brexit, as long as we get to leave the European Union, if there's another debate in Parliament, if they need to go around one more time, then fine. And what a lot of people, listening to your responses that you've had and your phone calls and emails, very interesting, reflects very closely public opinion here. What I say to people who feel like that is, 
This may be actually the better way around. If legally there was a way to trip up Brexit by saying that our parliament needed to have another debate about it, then let's do that and let's do it now before we've started the process of Article 50 rather than letting these uh, the Re- Remain campaigners, or if they are now, Roy, the Ramoners um, or Romaniacs, uh, if they were going to win that point, let's dispense of it now. It's for the best that we deal with it now rather than later. Who challenged uh, the Brexit decision? It was, uh, ostensibly, it was, a, it was some individuals who were concerned about the due process. It, in reality, of course, it was um, Remain campaigners who don't like the decision that was made by um, our people in June and uh, want to try to find ways to stymie it. But we can't argue that they didn't find a legitimate way to challenge it. That's what the court held. And one of the things I'm very keen we get away from here, Roy, is the politicization of our judicial system, like they have in the United States. We don't elect judges in in my country. We don't have judges appointed by our politicians. And I think it's better that our judiciary is independent rather than subject to the will or the whim of our politicians. So for me... Some of the attacks on the judiciary, whilst I happen to disagree with the decision they just made, are very regrettable. And my message to, to fellow uh, Brexit campaigners is keep the faith. We're going to get there. It may just mean one or two more cycles in our political system. But there is no way that Parliament can now reject Brexit having had the referendum. If they need to debate it again, fine. Go ahead. We'll do it in a calm, orderly fashion. And then you can vote for exactly what we told the people they'd get in the first place. Brexit because that's what they offered in the binding referendum, and that's what we said we wanted. Alex, do you have concerns that um, Brexit supporters who are angry today and in significant numbers, that it could become significant social unrest on the streets? I'm I'm not normally one to um, kind of encourage speculation like that. On this occasion, Roy, I absolutely am concerned about that. People's temperatures are running very high. We've got to calm down as a country. We've had front-page headlines calling out these judges in the most unpleasant ways. We've got to stop that kind of thing. This is not, not the path we want to go down. Yes, a decision's been made by the courts that some of us don't like. We will still get the judicial uh, process resolved, and we'll still get the outcome that we want, which is leaving the European Union. Let's do that in a dignified way, and let's not drag our judges, whichever way they decide uh, on this particular point, let's not drag our judges down to the level they are in the United States, where some of us back some judges and some of us back other judges. That's a bad state of affairs. One of the points that was made to me in an email from a friend of mine in Europe was that the uh, high court in, in England uh, fired a shot across the bows of other movements and European nations looking to jettison the Brussels baggage. Huh. Um, it wasn't our high court that did that. It's the, ju- it's the governments of other countries. Uh, there are significant Eurosceptic movements in a number of other member states. They are being deprived the opportunity to do what the British people have done, not by the British High Court, which doesn't have jurisdiction in those countries, but by their own governments that don't allow them the referendum in the way that we had one. I think that's a terrible shame. I think that they ought to be given that choice. Some countries would want to stay in the European Union. Others may wish to leave. Either way, I don't think it's down to our high court. I do think it's wrong that they're not being given a referendum, but I don't think that's down to our our judicial system. What's your sense, Alex, about what the Supreme Court of the UK may decide? Yeah, I, I think they're quite likely to reverse the decision. I think the government can argue its case better, but I think a better outcome than that, Roy, is to, to uh, make that decision redundant. Let's fast stream this, have a debate in Parliament, 
No British politician of any real stature or standing is going to dare stand in the way of the decision made by the British people in June. Let's have that debate, formalise the process, dispense with this legal point that's holding us up a little bit, and then get on with things. I don't think for a moment we're going to not leave the EU now. Um, I, still, I also think we're going to stick to the Prime Minister's timetable and be out by the end of the first quarter, or to have invoked Article 50 to begin leaving by the end of quarter one uh, next year, so by the end of March um, 2017. I'm completely comfortable with Parliament having another debate. I know that many MPs who campaigned for Remain now rightly feel bound to respect the views of the British people, and they will vote to respect the, the decision made in our referendum, or at least abstain on it. The government will have a healthy majority when it has the debate that's been demanded. So really, we don't need to be too excited or too upset. This is one of those occasions for deep breath, calm down, stiff whiskey, and carry on. <laughs> Sounds like the United States uh, late Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> yeah. What is your sense of what's going on in, uh, in the United States? If, if you're looking at that election and, uh, and you're looking at Trump and you're looking at Clinton, where may I ask you where you're... Your empathies or sympathies lie? Well, look, Hillary Clinton has been in public life or in public gaze for a long, long time. I think we know all of the flaws that are there. I could never bring myself to vote for her. And frankly, Roy, I wish the Republicans would put up a better candidate. I think almost any candidate would be beating her now. But the irony is, I think almost any other Democrat would be beating Donald Trump. These two, and I say this from an outside perspective, I don't have a vote, although I work for a, a U.S. listed business. And my sense is that um, almost any Democrat will be destroying Trump. Any Republican will be destroying Clinton. They are uniquely lucky in their opponents, both of them. <laughs> what a day. What a time. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Roy. All the best. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. So the conventional wisdom is that women will not vote for Donald Trump. And I heard some polling information earlier today suggesting that Hillary Clinton is once again pulling away from Donald Trump in the polling after he had closed dramatically on her. And some of the credit, or at least some of the rationale behind Hillary Clinton once again widening the gap between herself and Donald Trump is that women voters were speaking out in greater numbers saying they would vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, how true is that? Because when I speak to women on the phone on this program, and you've heard it, it's almost unanimously pro-Trump. And when I spoke with Karen from Alberta a few weeks ago, and she's a Trump supporter, and then we opened the phone lines to only women who support Trump, or only women callers. I can't remember whether it was or we took only women who supported Donald Trump or we took just women callers. might have been just women callers. It was 100% supportive of Trump. So I want to read you two emails before we talk to Karen, and then we'll go to your calls. The first email I received from Karen was in um, March of this year, 19th of March. And remember, in March, the primaries were underway. And that was about the time that Donald Trump was doing the low-energy bit toward Jeb Bush and all of the rest of them got their lumps. So Karen wrote, sent an email to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. 
I'm a 52-year-old woman with two master's degrees, born and raised in Alberta, for context. Thank you for your voice of reason, Roy. Trump, if you actually listen to his words, is the voice of reason and intelligence. He's outplaying the players, and it shows the lack of media objectivity. He's honest and independent. His approach is approach is often brash, but I don't find him offensive. I find him refreshing and uh, the beacon of hope for all of North America. By the way, why do we criticize a sucker punch and not verbal abuse? Why is physical bullying worse than verbal? They inflict the same damage. So that was uh, the first email from Karen. And then when the video was released, the um, which came along with audio of Donald Trump talking about committing sexual assault toward women, I uh, sent Karen an email and I asked her whether she still supported Donald Trump. And here's what she emailed back. This audio does not change my view of Trump. The audio was locker room talk, and honestly, I wouldn't want my husband to hear my private girl chats uh, on ladies' nights. Most men speak inappropriately in private to fit in, and I could care less. What I care about is how a president can lead. What is more disturbing to me is that this was recorded, Captain now brought forward, as a tactic. Uh, what a dirty campaign the Clintons are running. Wouldn't it be interesting to compare it to what Hillary said in the past to Bill about Monica Lewinsky? I bet there would be some juicy gossip there. I think the leak uh, indicates how threatened the Democrats are feeling. However, as Trump once said, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Maybe this will backfire for the Democrats again. I don't think it's possible there could be a smaller font than <laughs> the, the one in the email I just read. All right, so we have Karen back on the line with us from Alberta. I asked her to get involved in today's program, and Karen, good to talk to you again. Yeah, you too, Roy. Thank you for including me in this ongoing conversation. Well, it's important. It, it is. It's critically important. It, 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 you know, we're, we can't vote as Canadians, but as somebody pointed out and as has been said many times, whatever happens in the United States in their national election will have an impact on this country. And Mr. Trump has already said what he said about NAFTA. And I don't know if Hillary Clinton said anything about Canada or not. I have no idea. Not that I've heard. No. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. So neither one of us thinks she said anything about Canada. All right. No. Uh, she, as close as she came to Canada was when she, when they uh, ripped off Bernie Sanders, and he's in Vermont. And that's about two hours drive from the Canadian border. That's. Yeah. I'm I'm struggling. I'm searching for some something to say about Clinton saying talking about Canada. Why did you initially? What was it that initially drew you to Donald Trump during the primaries? Um, I think. For me, well, I happened to hear his initial speech where he announced that he was going to run. And at that point in time, I had no opinion about him other than I thought he was just some annoying TV character. And when I actually listened to his words, I thought, no, this guy has it dialed. He knows what the issues are. He brought forward the issues of illegal immigration. He brought forward the concerns about terrorism. He's openly talked about the education challenges, the unemployment challenges, um, businesses, manufacturing, leaving the U.S. These are real issues, Roy. And, you know, people keep saying, well, women should be voting for Clinton because she's a woman. And I got to tell you, voting for Clinton 
because she's a woman, is probably one of the most offensive propositions I can imagine. As a woman, and I've had a successful career, I would be insulted if I got a contract or a job just because I was female. And a position as important as the President of the United States should be reserved for an upstanding individual who's not marred by controversy and corruption. And I think what's really sad, Roy, is that this recent WikiLeaks data has been known for years. And all we have to do is look at some of the books that took years to research, like Clinton Cash, Queen of Chaos, just to name a few. I think what's different, though, and I'm trying to work my way through those books, by the way, and I find you know they're not an easy read. Um, so with the WikiLeaks, what's different is they come in these small sound bites, and I think the media and the general public can understand them and latch onto them. Why, after the revelation of the uh, audio and videotape and what Trump said about women, about sexual assault toward women and abuse of women, why continue to support him after that? Um, I guess I would summarize my thought process by saying that, yeah, you know, I don't like that. But really, what actually matters here? And I think what we've done is we've, as, you know, in North America, we've been forced to focus on the red shiny ball over here instead of understanding the depth of corruption of the Clintons, of their foundation, of um, her history is so rife with controversy. Her campaign party was provided debate questions in advance by a CNN correspondent. I mean, how does that happen? Her husband has actually been charged as a rapist and a sexual abuser and has paid off at least one victim, and she stood up for him and, and spoke against these women. And most importantly, she's directly benefited financially from her influence while in a trusted position as Secretary of State. And so for me, yeah, there's this noise over here about Trump. Do I like it? No, I don't like it. But in the big picture, I cannot imagine much worse than the lies and manipulation of Hillary in her official capacity. And even... The resulting gain to herself, Bill Clinton, through the foundation and these so-called speaking engagements, I, those are actually real transgressions. They're not just a conversation that occurred. What do you think will happen on Tuesday? Mm. Well, I can tell you what I'm fantasizing is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I fantasize that the silent majority, Roy, will step forward on this that they'll ignore this false messaging and they'll vote Trump, resulting in a Republican sweep. And I tell you, if this happens, in my opinion, it's probably the least unacceptable result. I think that if a Clinton win were to occur, it would create a heightened level of unrest. And if we look at the people who are speaking out for Trump, many of them are the unemployed, the financially disadvantaged, and often the less educated. And on a relative basis, Roy, these people have less to lose by creating a revolt than would Clinton supporters if Trump wins. Um, in my opinion, Trump is the result of decades of corruption and entitlement by the establishment. And, you know, I was listening to your show earlier, and I agree. Um, the U.S. is on the precipice of some dangerous times, but not because of Trump. 
Trump is merely the messenger of the discontented public itself. There He's is on a the front end of there a is wave. Definitely. A tremendous amount of discontent in the general population. Karen, thank you, as always. I mean, it's you've been terrific, uh, okay. both in corresponding when I've asked through emails and coming on the air with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Roy, and keep it up. You're awesome. Thanks. There's Karen in Alberta. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. All right, it's time for Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, and... Michelle Simpson, Beauties and the Beast. We have a, a new system that we're working here and uh, had a little trouble getting you guys connected. I thought you'd abandoned me. And we would never leave you, oh, Roy. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. I was, I was starting to emotionally struggle. I was feeling lost. Sounds like most American voters. Absolutely. Yeah, I felt like the puppy of the pound. Speaking of American voters, we've been talking a lot about it over the last two and a half hours. With some terrific guests and um, great callers. And so uh, that's what we're doing this weekend, today and tomorrow. It's the U.S. election. So love to hear where you, where you guys stand and, and what your thinking is and how your thinking has evolved uh, over the last months and where you think you might be come Tuesday. Not physically, but... So, Catherine, why don't we start with you? Okay. Well, I'll be glued to the box Tuesday because I'm a junkie and I, I love politics. But I got to say, it's, it's a disheartening election for all kinds of reasons. Um, I was listening to the last half hour of the show, Roy. I was interested in, you know, you, you appealed to women to come and, you know, call in and tell them, tell you what they thought and stuff. And uh, it, it, if there was a none of the above option, I think that would be the President of the United States. That's been the consensus all day sadly, long. Sadly, sadly, and I, I was re- I've been reading about this, as I'm sure we all have, and one thing that struck me which was intriguing was there was a bunch of articles over the last few days talking about how an awful lot of women, especially young women, were not enthused at all about Hillary Clinton and actually had the attitude, which is probably a positive thing in general, that there's going to be a woman president. They're not looking at this as this massive breakthrough kind of thing that Hillary Clinton has to be elected because she's a woman, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But they're saying there's going to be a woman president. It's just a given. So let's get that off the table. And they're sad, uh, again, not everybody, but a a goodly number, sad that the likelihood is that the first woman president will be this quite disliked, dishonest person who has... A lot of failures racked up. In, well, this in, is the question her, I wanted. Her record. The question I wanted to ask you was, all of you, was because you know the glass ceiling metaphor is constantly repeated. Yeah. Is Hillary Clinton a good representative for women? The be- a good first representative for women breaking the glass ceiling to the highest political office, arguably, in the world. Michelle, you're in uh, you're in California. What what are they saying? What do you say? popular. In 2007, uh, when she was running for the nomination against Obama, I actually worked on her campaign down in California for a bit. And she had a lot more popularity, Roy. Uh, and in general, uh, the, the, the people in California that thought it was kind of humorous that... Um, it was playing out like a reality TV show, are really now quite nervous. 
am quite distressed. So okay. is there a sense that the polls, and we'll be talking to pollsters tomorrow, well, uh, is there a sense that the pollsters have it wrong, Michelle? Um, no. It, 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 in the electorate, they really believe it is a tight, tight, tight race that could go either way. And it has the market. The markets have already tanked, started tanking in advance, because I don't think the markets like either choice. But, well, they you know, don't. And, and also, yeah. both of them have spoken out against, uh, I was listening, Roy, to your last half hour, you, you were saying how you were looking for connections to Canada. And one of them is NAFTA. And both candidates have dumped yeah. all over NAFTA, which is a huge deal to Canada. And Trump started that early. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and but Clinton has too. So I mean, you know, there's and, and that would that would tank markets. You know, somebody's saying no no trade. That's bad for business in general. Yeah. Um, Linda Leatherdale. Yes. The right. voice the voice of reason on the shores of Lake Ontario, <laughs> yeah. staring across at the United States, yes. Western New York. What about it, Linda? Oh well, first of all, um, you know, I think like a lot of the American our American cousins. This is just, quite honestly, Roy, I don't want either one of them. Um, and when I'm looking at this, and you mentioned, like, glass ceiling, is she a good representative for women? I do not think so. In fact, she's joined the old man's club of corruption and anything goes just to get elected, and I don't agree with that. So here's my question, Roy. What happens if somehow... On Tuesday, when, hey, I've been invited by the U.S. Consul General to be with their team watching this unfold. This should be interesting. Well, what happens if it's a tie? Well, that's the nightmare. That's, that's the nightmare. That's almost a revisiting of 2000. Absolutely. And, you know, the American people, it's a little bit different this time around, though. I mean, back then, I think people were reasonably happy. This is not a happy camp in the U.S. of A. right now. And we got to look at the economy because this factors into it. No matter who wins here, we have a global recession, I really believe, and and a tough time with our developed countries. The only countries posting good GDP growth are those that are corrupt and their people live in poverty. Stop it. But it's true. Stop it. And so what happens? You know, China and Russia, these are wild cards. This is not a good time for the American people to be so... Well, I, I spoke with Dr. Frank Farley in the first hour, past president of the American Psychological Association. I heard it, yep. and And he is, he's a very positive guy, and he is not discounting at all the possibility of a violent response in the United States Tuesday and Wednesday and beyond. Well, I, I think, think that's, that's, that's the real issue. No matter who wins here, because yeah. this has become so polarized and so very ugly... It's and awful, isn't it? The media has played a huge role, too. That, you know, again, uh, some of the stuff I was seeing, they were saying there's always been false news. But in this, because par- partly of the reach and, and, and um, immediacy of social media, there has been way more false news, stories that go out there that have absolutely zero basis in fact, but that suddenly take off on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it happens to be. And there is going to be a bitter, bitter, bitter mess no matter what happens. Do you, know what's interesting, you know what's interesting, uh, Catherine? I saw a tweet uh, yesterday, I think it was, and it was something like this. So you complain about lies on, on Twitter or on social media, 
What about all the lies we've been told by politicians for years and years well, and exactly. years? Exactly. The, the, the notion of lies is not a new one. No, 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 no. <laughs> for sure. But there's the response, and that's where the that's where the the populist uh, pushback. I th- wasn't born, but it's certainly been nurtured on social media, where there is but, but, absolutely but, no responsibility to be accurate. Exactly. And, and you can get, you can reach more people, uh, you know, in record time than you ever could in exactly. Don't say that. <laughs> mm, I know. Don't say those things. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at the Roy said, Green Show. <laughs> Winston Churchill famously said many millennia ago, or well, a few decades anyway, uh, that. Um, you know, the, a lie is halfway around the world before truth gets its pants on or something along those lines. <laughs> and nowadays, a lie is several times around the world and has reached a ton of people. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. All right, so Wednesday, there's going to be a president-elect. How do we move forward from there? Um, how do we have to move forward from there? as a continent, as a uh, tripart trading agreement, and I, I guess I'm, I, the world, because it, it's going to affect everyone what happens on Tuesday. Ms. Swift, why don't you start us off? Well, it's such an easy question, Roy. I, I don't know, you know, really why we're even talking about it. Yeah, it's a, it's this, a, this is, it's it, simple. Boy, what a, what a mess. The, yeah the most important office in the world and there's going to be it's going to it's going to be ugly i i can't believe it's going to be anything but ugly that being said every politician makes all kinds of promises and then backs off them that's just a given so some of the more extreme rhetoric will be toned down uh whoever ends up winning this election but i i guess what what i see is probably the most worrisome element of it and internationally you know can you believe a vladimir putin won't be watching this like a hawk watching for opportunity to spread his evil, uh, you know, domination of whatever he, he foresees. That's the kind of stuff that, that kind of worries me in part. But part of it is that the Trump support, which is not insignificant, is an anti-establishment, anti-established politics, I guess, support. And they're going to be mad, you know, very, very mad if he doesn't win. I don't believe Trump will win, I, you know, if... if Anyway, everything's possible, but I, I don't believe at the moment anyway that we're going to see Trump win. But there's going to be a significant number of very, very, very angry Americans, and it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Michelle? Yeah. Who, You're well, right there. And, and the Americans, it's amazing the number that have bought the rhetoric about the election being rigged. So I agree with Catherine. There is going to be some ugly reaction. And in parts of the country, I can see it becoming, um, you know, I hate to say it, violent in, in their response that, because they bought that, that rhetoric that, you know, the election's rigged. And one, one, violent, one violent act will feed another. Yes. We better get Michelle a Kevlar suit. <laughs> Do you know what it does as well, I think, uh, Linda? It... it it's diminishing the importance and the relevance of the office of the President of the United States. Absolutely. I agree, right. 
around the world, everybody is watching, and it's almost like the laughing stock. This is worse than a bad, bad soap opera. Yeah. And I think what's really disgusting, the underlying, is that the corruption on both of them. Like today, I just read again that the you know um, Trump University had hired all these crooks. To, to anyway, it goes on and on and on. None of them, neither of them, are trustworthy. And so, do I trust them with the future of the United States and the world superpower? I agree with Catherine now. Um, Putin's so, watching so very how, carefully. China's watching carefully. This is going to be unnerving. But how do you come up? By the way, we're going to talk tomorrow to a, a man who was born in Russia, who uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin personally detests. He's going to be on the show. And he says Trump is an agent of Vladimir Putin's. He's Russian. And Mr. Putin personally detests this man who's going to be on the show. So we'll... We'll hear how that goes. How do you, Catherine, how do we come out of a, if it's going to be a dark tunnel, and I mean that in the sense of a response, reaction, maybe breakdown of um, s- s- civil behavior, how do you come out of that tunnel? Another easy Another question. Easy question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should really think these questions through a little better. <laughs> it, 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 I, I, I don't think there's a good answer to that. I, I sure don't have one. I, I just think it's, a, it's going to be an awful mess. No matter who wins, uh, maybe a different kind of mess, but there's going to be, it's been so very polarized. American politics is always polarized. That's the nature of a two-party, you know, effectively a two-party state. But I just, I just think it is, it, it's a crapshoot. It, it's a total question mark as to what's going to come out of it. And, and in Canada, as their largest trading partner by far, we should be pretty darn concerned because this can have, what Michelle was saying earlier, markets have factored things in, as they yeah. often do. But, you know, markets didn't factor Brexit in that uh, that well. And so exactly how well have they factored in whatever the outcome of this election is? I think it's going to be very chaotic for a while. I really do. Economically, stock market-wise, and, uh, and socially. Yeah. Yeah. M- Michelle, here's the, here's the advice to you. Get out of there. Never, mind the, never mind the snow. Come home. <laughs> yes, I'm going to change my ticket. <laughs> I wouldn't wait that long. Yeah, I, it's it's very disturbing. It's it's un it is unfortunate. It's not a yeah. bad choice of words. It's unfortunate that it's been allowed to come to this point. There's another thought that just occurred. But here's the here's the grimy reality of democracy. It can happen because we are open because we don't have the kinds of um, police state checks and balances, and, and maybe it's surprising this sort of thing hasn't happened before or to the extent that it's happening now, but uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to think, uh, I'd like to believe in the, I'd like to believe that people are going to see reason. I, I don't know if I even believe what I'm saying. Well, the, the Trump rise, though, and, and this gets to your point, Roy, the, the, the Trump rise is a function of, in part, freedom, because in many countries that wouldn't even be permitted. People would just be shot, and that would be the end of that. Yeah, but yeah. but, but the, the, the total dissatisfaction with the status quo in the political sphere. Yeah. And I think we see it not just in the U.S., we see it all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this isn't going to go away post-election. No, beauties, thank you for the time. You find yourself, do you not... You're, you're making a statement, you're, you're speaking, and your sentences are evolving as you're speaking them. 
Who knows? That's yeah. always the case. <laughs> well, maybe it's always the case. <laughs> Depends on what you consumed in your youth. Nothing new there. <laughs> no. Timothy Leary's listening. All right. Oh, dear. The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML.